0: Hello and welcome. This is the Making of a Nat Geo podcast. I'm Stacy Wilson Hunt, and joining me today is the star and host of Nat Geo's Brain Games, Keegan Michael Key. Welcome, Keegan. How are you doing?
1: I'm well, Stacy. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. This is fun. So thank these... you for being available. My pleasure. My pleasure. I really love Brain Games. You've done a wonderful job. So congratulations.
1: Oh, oh yeah, we're having a, we've been ha- we had a really good time with it, and we're and we're really looking forward to doing more of it.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's educational. And I find myself very engaged in these experiments that you're doing on the show. So that's <laughs> oh, good,
1: that's good, good, good. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm realizing how little I learned about everything in life when I watch this. So, <laughs>
1: I have a similar experience every time I go to set, right?
0: It's a reminder of our, uh, you know, scant education in yeah, the right. 80s, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So before we talk about the show, I would love to know, I know you were probably a fun kid, a dynamic kid. Were you a game-playing kid? Were there board games you loved? Were there things you liked to watch on TV that tested your mind when you were it's young? It's
1: interesting. I, I used to love to play the game Mastermind. Do you oh, remember Mastermind? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my brother and I would play Mastermind and Othello a lot. Mm-hmm. We liked to play the game Othello. And my parents were one of those families that you know, would invite the friends over to the house and then go downstairs and play games. Sometimes they'd have marathon sessions of Risk Sometimes Mm -hmm. they play. Sometimes they play games just like sorry or aggravation, and Mm -hmm. and you could hear these adults boisterously screaming from downstairs, like I got you. That's that was a six. You rolled a six, you know that kind of thing. (laughs) But um, but I did like those kind of mind games. Um, I I I I also get very uh, uh, exhilarated by games of chance like Uno and Mm card games like that. But but really, I always loved Mastermind. My brother and I would try to fool each other on the sequencing to try oh, sure. to figure out mm-hmm. and then and then every now and again somebody would just outright lie when you know when you put the pegs <laughs> on the side and you're going oh minute, I you remember, don't have yes. any blues you don't have any blues <laughs> behind there at all no no it's like four blues
0: <laughs> it was so. good training for for being an actor and keeping that straight face exactly right? yeah <laughs> i could have been an
1: actor or a professional poker player one or the other yeah
0: <laughs> and tell me were you a D guy at all
1: um, I, 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 I dabbled, I dabbled, I had mm-hmm. some friends that were hardcore D and D guys, but I, I dabbled, I would say more than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> no vivid memories of the campaigns, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that passed me by. It was just a little too much for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was for me too. It was just, I'm like, I have this and then
1: you're going to roll it and we got to do math and I, uh, I know, know it It
0: felt of... a little bit more like homework than recreation. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why. good. <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> And speaking of homework, what was your relationship like with math and science as a kid? Were you, you know, I, I assume most performers that that those weren't your forte subjects, but maybe they were. Maybe you excelled in those classes.
1: Uh, math, one hundred percent, not my forte subject. It was okay. not. I didn't have much interest in it. In fact, before being a performer, what I wanted to do was be a veterinarian, Aww. and uh, more than anything. And then once I realized that required math, I was like. <laughs> Uh, what are the other career opportunities that don't right. require You're back, just like, you know? I want to play with
0: puppies and kittens Right? And yeah, stuff. I just
1: thought it was playing with puppies, you know, and maybe like going to the zoo, like giving vaccines to giraffes, stuff like that. I thought that was <laughs> going to be super cool. But then as I became a performer, um, science has always been interesting to me. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. And there are things, it's funny, you, you mentioned scant education, mm-hmm. but I still remember things... From third grade or fourth grade science, like bioluminescence—the mm. you know mm-hmm. the, the the chemical stuff in the back of fireflies and lightning mm-hmm. bugs—and and the fact that it can be harnessed and that you can use it for those sticks that people used to crack—and th- oh, that, yeah. that substance does that. Or the fact that even here in Los Angeles recently, people have been out in the ocean and there's been that bioluminescent um, algae. Mm-hmm. And and so that's that's funny that that would stick in my brain for forty years. Completely. And, um, you know knowing uh, dissecting crawfish and frogs and all that was very seeing the the life sciences and how they uh, applied to us has always been
0: fascinating to me mm. i'll, I'll yeah. have those moments too where i'll remember like alveoli the, the air sacs inside the lung and i'm like why why, why, why do, do i remember, I remember yeah. from um, 35 years ago it, <laughs> swimmerettes. The
1: swimmerettes are the things at the bottom of the crawfish that help them propel. Uh, uh, wh- why would I remember swimmerettes? That's well, a fun wh- wh- word to say, though. <laughs> it is a good <laughs> word to say, yeah. Because they're not swimmers. They're swimmerettes. They're, they're, t- female, they're tiny. they tiny little they're, they're female little, tiny swimmers. swimmers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I read somewhere that you have described yourself as a blurred so, uh, for people who don't know, please dissect this this word for us. So, a
1: blurred, a blurred <laughs> is a black nerd. Ah, uh, yes, that um, makes so sense. So that, that's the conflation. It's a conflation of two.
0: Pormanto, I think, is the is the uh, word for that. Uh,
1: right? pormanto, <laughs> that is correct. Yes, something a blurred would know. Um, and so, <laughs> I, uh, interestingly enough, it's it is something that um, is assigned very often. I have found to people of my ilk who are mm-hmm. biracial. Hmm. And um, but there are also people who are full African-American who are also blurred. I think it's 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 what we call straddling two cultures, which is it's not prevalent in the African-American culture to play D&D or Hmm. uh, I would say not to say that you are a sci-fi fan but to admit (laughs) proudly that you're a sci-fi fan. Got it. And, And there's a whole nother discussion as to why that is but 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 i i have always been those are the things that have always resonated with me sci-fi and and the sciences and i am i'm a lover of words um portmanteau being one of (laughs) them one um, of my favorites yes one of my land yapes was to uh have a small um r2d2 figure with me all the time but i'm talking about like in 1983 Right. So, and, I, and I, a lot of it was from my dad. My dad, I, I, I think my dad enjoyed the original Star Wars more than my brother and I did. Oh, so, yeah. so it was something that we never felt any shame about. It was just part of our
0: identity. So we've mm-hmm. always expressed it as such. And did you feel like you had any blurred role models growing up? Because this thing kind of didn't start until a little bit later, at least the naming of it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, LeVar, Levar Burton.
0: Oh, LeVar Burton
1: yes. is a blurred, a person that I saw, a person who looked like me, who was um, um, certainly enthused by education. Mm. And you could, so, so he was one person that comes to mind. And then also, there was a science teacher in my grade school named Mr. Tony. And I never had him for class, and I was so jealous of every kid that had him for class. Mm-hmm. He was. About seven feet tall. He was about 6'11". Oh and had never played basketball a day in his life. And he was a science teacher.
0: Oh, And I so love that was
1: something he, a mantle he had to live with
0: his just, whole life.
1: People just assume
0: he was an athlete because of just his height. Just right. assumed. Just assumed.
1: Yeah. Right. And and, and I always, I, never, I only spoke to him like two times. He, he was like a rock star to me when I was 12. Oh. And it, it, he was one of those people that cracked my mind open a little bit, even though I didn't have a lot of interaction with him to say you can really just kind of be what you want and do what you Mm. want. So those are the names that come to mind.
0: So, on to Brain Games, the reason for which we are here today. So, Mm -hmm. Brain Games have been on Nat Geo for a long time and obviously a very beloved series, but it certainly got a reimagining and a rebooting, which included installing you as the host, which I think makes it more hip and cool, obviously. Oh, that's very (laughs) (laughs) sweet. Now, tell me a little bit about how you sort of input your ideas into sort of the reimagining. Did you say like, hey, it'd be really cool if we did segments on this? And how did you work with the producers to create... New formats and new recurring segments, I guess.
1: Um, well, p- uh, partially, uh, one thing I did is I um, is I was I was very happy that took place is that I'm uh, my wife, who is an executive producer on the show. She, we're, we're both we have we run a production company together, and was also bringing in a lot of her ideas. And and sometimes it was me stepping out of the way and going, well, what what do you think here, L? Hmm. And but one thing was the uh, introduction of the audience was very important to me, that there'd be a live audience there with us and that we make it feel like we were having a party as if somebody were going to do an experiment at a cocktail party. Oh, I love there's that. there's this cool thing I'd like to show you. And mm-hmm. then you show the group uh, at large this cool experiment. And
0: I, that's exactly how it feels too. Yeah,
1: oh great, yeah. that, that yeah. was what we were going yeah. for. Another thing that I think is, was really great, and this is an idea that um, my wife came up with that I would like to say probably I championed, was <laughs> um, if we ever had two people We'd always try to say now when you two do this, or when you two do that, as opposed to saying you guys,
0: because oh, we wanted I love to you for, for that. Thank uh, you. Love
1: my wife, El. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to be quite honest, I would not necessarily have thought of that, but mm-hmm. I thought that was a great idea for her to think. To, to, to think, let's let's make sure that we're um, emboldening the young girls that are watching the show as well. Right. And uh, and then the other thing was having celebrities come in and perform. These experiments with me brings a level of excitement to it and a level of prestige to the show. But also, you're getting to, you're getting to see somebody do something out of their element. Right. Um you, you know, we're all like, "Hey, I learn lines," but what's happening? now? Well, nuclear fission. You know, <laughs> so it well. That's was, why it's
0: fun to see people. I'm thinking of Anthony Anderson's reaction when, when you dropped the big weight on the glass. Yes, yes. I mean, he I'm, looked he looked absolutely devastated right? that he didn't do it properly. Right. And he, it. He, it's fun to see, it's fun to see actors who, you know, he's a nice guy. I've met him, but it's nice to see him like maybe brought down a peg like, oh, this is a totally different skill set. I'm- <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I also wanted to make sure that people were seeing, were seeing this, uh, I, I, you know, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if every now and again, the audience participates and how are they going to participate? Let's, right. let's make sure that all of us are doing the experiments together per se.
0: Right. No, it's, it's really fun. So obviously we'll get to um, some of those issues in more detail later, but I do want to talk about the celebrity guests and you've had, wow, you've had quite a roster from Kristen Bell to Dax Shepard, mm-hmm. Anthony, and then his co-star Marseille Martin, Kelly Clarkson, Kevin Hart. So tell me how you are involved in enlisting people to come on and and what is their reaction to being there? Does it feel like they're sort of kids in candy stores out of their element and wanting to really learn something?
1: It does feel like, it does feel, one of the fun things about the show is it does feel like the guests are kids in a candy store, <laughs> but a candy store they've never been to before. Uh, that, right. they've been, that they're out of their element. There right. is this wonderful sense of, of them going, uh, me catching their eye every now and again going, what you know, like, <laughs> like, is that really how that happens i, I did not know that it, it, and right. to see these adults have these wonderful flashes of realization and mm-hmm. um and revelation and so um a lot of the time it's really interesting the casting people would s- sit down with me and with l and we'd start you you'd just start going through your phone you just literally start going like, <laughs> oh, can we call? who would be and then it's also about who do you feel would really get something out of this, and and right. who, who are friends of ours that we think that that would resonate with the material of the show. So right. that's basically how we would do a lot of the recruiting. Hey, can you and let me give them a call? Let me talk to this person. Oh, call we. I know his manager personally. That okay. kind of thing, and that's how we got a lot of the
0: guests. So you're bringing all the like a list comedy Rolodex factor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: Especially those comedy football players. Exactly. Like, it's a very they're, small niche. They're hilarious. Very
0: small. <laughs> so I do want to showcase such a moment, which I found. Very funny. Our favorite singer, Jack Black, of course, and his partner, Kyle, Tenacious D. So let's listen to a clip of, it's a Star-Spangled Banner clip where this song is featured prominently in a particular uh, segment on brain and memory. Oh, yes.
1: We tortured you by having Tenacious D leave us hanging with this. Oh, say can you... By the Thank you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that felt good. That felt good. When you first heard those chords and they left us hanging there. Were you like me? Did you just want them to finish the Star-Spangled Banner? Yeah? Well, there's science behind that. Music is so rewarding because music is continually setting up expectations, meeting some of them and not meeting others. Music continues to present the brain with the challenge of figuring out what will come next. It's called musical expectancy, and it takes place in a region of the brain called Broadman Area 47, which is right next to where they keep the aliens.
0: So of, I would say, the quote-unquote lessons that you have learned or been exposed to in those moments, is there something that has stuck with you where you just think, I can't believe I didn't already know that? And then to see it play out in real time, is there something that has stuck with you that has just blown your mind?
1: That's interesting, because I feel like most of the things that I experienced on the show were really new novel pieces of science that I mm-hmm. had not thought of before. Those are right. the things that that really stick with me, are the things where I go, what? Well, I guess right. that makes sense. You, you know, that kind of situation. Well,
0: the idea like, of a song and the brains wanting to fill in lyrics, like we, I did, personally didn't know that there was a name for that. And that's right. really what that oh. experiment is showing us.
1: That's all right. That's been my experience. That's my experience. The whole show is right. that you're always kind of going, there's a name for that. <laughs> right. um, um, uh, by manual interference is the one that I think I'm remembering now, which is, mm. which, which was, which, which was that where, where, how, how did, how did we do that? That, that's right, it, that's it, and and that that the for, the word interference doesn't feel correct to be able, to be able to do those two things simultaneously. But right. the musical expectancy, I, I love the names because some of the names are completely self explanatory, and some of them <laughs> right. are super a super fancy way of something that say something that's much simpler. Right. and um, but but I think that um, um, the musical expectancy one actually does feel kind of familiar to me because we've all had that itch. And, oh, everybody. Sure. and that's another thing about the show that I like is musical expectancy affects you no matter who you are, no matter what your creed is, no matter what your political affiliation is. It's just true. It's right. tr- and, it's, it's, it, and because it's experiential, everybody can kind of enjoy it and it can resonate with everybody.
0: And I want to get back to what we were discussing earlier about your wife, who sounds like a very smart woman.
1: Yes. Yes, uh, she is. <laughs> yes, she is yes.
0: So well done. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. But the idea of this so-called STEM, S-T-E-M, which we now know, science, technology, engineering, and math. And there's been a big push in recent years. And actually, Gina Davis has been very active in making sure that yes. there are representations of for young girls on screen who are engaged in, in S-T-E-M at this point. Mm-hmm. And and I love that you have Kara Santa Maria come out. Is yeah. this very self-commanding, very bright? Also, has a great personality. So, dispelling the idea that scientists are not fun, <laughs> <laughs> right? And exactly, she's actually yeah. super eloquent and fun, and, and is so great at teaching lessons. And I do want to talk about this idea of you know talking about the you guys versus you two. How conscious are you in each episode to make sure? Okay, are we doing enough uh, presentations that are centered on boys and centered on girls and centered on men and women? And we'll be listening to a clip in a little bit where we see that gender divide play out pretty mm-hmm. magically. But tell me what else goes into those discussions, and what have you learned along along those lines?
1: Well, I guess I, I guess I, I have learned quite a lot about implicit bias. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, and this is lear- another catchphrase. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I have <laughs> learned a lot about implicit bias, and that and that I suffer from it. And I think that that's why it's great to have. Uh, all different people from all different parts of the 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 spectrum of human experience as part of the production and we did mm-hmm. that from the get-go so it's good to be able to have people who are women men people of color people people who are come from what we would call traditional mainstream background so that everybody's messages are getting thrown into the pot mm-hmm. and that and and that example of my wife is a perfect one that I, I don't I don't know that it would have that would have necessarily occurred to me right. I think it's essential that we have um uh, we have an aspect of the show like Cara, uh, Cara Santa Maria's field pieces involved because you do get to see that once you see a representation of yourself, that's very close to yourself doing something that you've never seen it do before. Like I said earlier, it just opens the mind. Yeah. So it just lets you go, Oh, wait a minute. So I, I could do that and 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 I I think it's essential it's essential for for our preservation as a as a species right. because it, it it because we can't evolve unless a, a new idea is even is either ushered in or we start to forcibly push walls out of the way so it can mm. get through so it can slide in right. and um, so that so it was extremely important extremely important in the pre-production part of the show
0: and I also love I love the fact that we can identify our differences and say there's actually a scientific foundational reason for this difference, as opposed to saying girls aren't good at math, boys aren't good at these things. There are actual physical differences in our brain activity, the way we process information. And here's why. So it's not to say right. boys shouldn't do activities and girls shouldn't do other activities. It's just maybe one thing comes more easily to you because of this scientific reason. So right, I think exactly. that's, I think that's really, it's sort of, there's a reason for all of this. So let's maybe identify them and then not use them as reasons to sort of, um, not get along with each other really. <laughs> right. Ex- yeah. And,
1: and, and those reasons can also, um, in a way normalize us. So yeah, if I go, exactly. oh, okay, so that's not, that's not going to be my forte understood. Okay. Right. So then help me out. You help right. me out. And, right. and, and, and if I, if I know it's not my forte, then I can, um, release myself from the onus of saying, why can't I master this? Well, maybe you need help from somebody else. Who's, Absolutely. Who's uh, who's genetically predisposed <laughs> to succeed at this thing? You know? Right,
0: right. And it's and I think those differences are. I mean, anyone who's in a relationship with anyone, your partner's going to have skills that you don't have, and I it's think just, that's it's when it is true. Yeah, it is true. And it's to not hate them for that is really the secret, right? It's, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly
1: it. And and I speak as a man who are I speak as the male of the species, and we're we're. St- stuffed full of ego so that's just something that once you have that realization you can do something about it if you if you're ignorant of it there's nothing you can do
0: so on that note it'd be fun to listen to this clip uh sort of referenced it of cara santa maria she did an experiment where she told a group of three men and a group of three women to look at a model wearing clothes and then try to dress their model in the same clothing almost like a game of operator to see if one could transmit the directions to the next so let's see what happened right
1: So what do you have cooked up for us? So we set up a giant 3D game of telephone. Mm -hmm. Now remember, the name of the game is men versus women. So we've got teams of three. Now the first contestant is going to observe a real life mannequin
0: and see what that mannequin is wearing. And then communicate those details to person number two, who communicates those details to person number three, who then has to dress their mannequin to look like the first mannequin without ever talking to the first person.
1: First, let's see how the men did. Purple hat, black and white shoes, pink sunglasses, blue jacket, and a headband.
0: All right, so he's coming, he's coming.
1: All right, hit me. Purple hat, black and white jacket, um, brown shoes, black socks. Purple Purple hat. Black shoes and blue jacket. There we go, you got that? right. I think he said green shorts. All right, I'll check
0: with you mm. So you are 100% incorrect Whoa. right yeah. now.
1: You're a scientist. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then I'm just gonna assume that you did both sides of the experiment. You did women. Yes, yes. So we, just um, show us the yeah. women.
0: <laughs> so he's wearing a purple hat with a green and black feather. He's wearing a denim jacket. He's wearing a red bandana on his left arm. There's also a gold sequin situation on the hat. Pink glasses turquoise flamingo shorts, black and white tennis shoes with like African print tongue. We got it. Down 30 seconds just in the description, here
1: we go. Okay, he has on shorts that have like teal on the back and there's flamingos on them. He has on pink glasses, pink rims, and shoes are gonna have like African print on the tongue and they are sneakers. He has on a purple hat, it's got a green feather and a gold thing, like sequins. And then he has a jean jacket and it's got a red bandana. Go. Right.
0: If you're done, you hit that I button. I think I'm done. <laughs> And the ladies win. I don't know what else to say.
1: First pass. That was incredible.
0: Four minutes on the clock. You got it in a single pass in only two minutes. Do you want to
1: know how the guys did? Time totally ran out and they only got one thing right.
0: That was my favorite segment, by the way. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, I mean, it really just puts a fine point on everything. I think we kind of know, but it was pretty staggering. So I want to talk about the audience a little bit. Okay. I love not only to see the audience so engaged and they all seem, it's not sort of like that Jeopardy audience where they're sitting there sort of clapping and kind of, you know, letting it wash over them. Yeah, yeah, they're, right. It's, they look like, you, like you've like said, like they're at a birthday party in someone's backyard and, and a magician has been brought in. <laughs> right, right. And and the parents' faces are, are just lit up because they're just as excited. But what I also love is looking in the audience and seeing people of all colors in yeah. this room. Yeah. And it looks like an American classroom. So tell me, what does it mean to you to see a room filled with people like that, who really do reflect what America looks like?
1: It, it's very encouraging. It's very encouraging to see that room. And, and again, it's encouraging that we would have a big tent for science. That it would allow every that everybody can be a scientist. That it, it, people of all different colors and shades and and and, and points of view. Because I think that that's once again, if if the stuff that we're studying and exploring on the program is is a lot of the stuff, and I mean literally the stuff that binds us. Mm-hmm. Biologically um, uh, and genetically, why shouldn't all people be allowed to experience it? Right. And so that—that's one thing I think that's almost inherent to the theme of the show. And right. so that—that that, it's important to me. So it's really—it's actually—it it, it buoys my heart a bit to be able to look out there and see older people and younger people and black people and white people and Hispanic people and Asian people and everything. And and th- th- this experiential dynamic that we've we've. Um, been trying to breed in the show is 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 coming to is really coming to fruition and it's really exciting and it's working it's working.
0: And tell me, how do you think your vast number of years training in improv and acting have served you in this job, but also in some ways not prepared you at all for this job.
1: <laughs> How does it serve me for the job?
0: Well, it served me in, in I think,
1: very in, in pretty obvious ways, which is that at any point in time, sometimes people get excited in the audience and someone will scream out. And to me, that's like chum for a shark. I, that doesn't scare me or take me aback. I'm, I'm looking forward to that kind of, I want that interaction. Right. And, and sometimes, depending on the guest... They do right. too, and then and then right. you really get the audience warmed up and buttered up between takes, right? And right. The, and then you can feel that energy when when we're on camera. So that's the good part. The um the other part is there are times when you cannot wing it, <laughs>
0: like, right? So that's standing, what I've noticed. There are probably yeah. a few moments where you're like, oh, if, if I were on stage right now at you know at uh, the second like, city or the ground exactly or something. exactly yeah.
1: I could I could just I could just go in any direction. There are other times when you've got sometimes when you have to get the language precise. Mm. And other times you don't want to be near a balloon that's filled with hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> right. With the express purpose of blowing it up. So exactly. you know it's like there, there are times when you really, really need to hit your mark, and we're going right. to let um, that uh, that spontaneous impulsivity. We're going to put that on the back burner for the time being.
0: Right. There are certain safety concerns. Maybe on yes. stage, you're you're worried about someone hitting you in the face by accident. This is actually you know you're wearing safety goggles for a reason. Right.
1: So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100. <laughs> percent So that's the that's time you have to you have to curb those 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 impulses, curb that instinct. Yeah.
0: <laughs> at least for the insurance waivers, right? You gotta exactly, make sure you're, you're protected. Exactly, right. And in terms of the types of feedback you've gotten from people, what has meant the most to you in terms of maybe online or just people stopping you on the street? Because obviously people know you from so many things at this point. But what is specific about sort of the brain game fan and what do they say to you when they see you? Um the thing that
1: encourages me the most or the thing that I that that I enjoy the most is is seeing a parent tell me this is a show I watch with my kids. Hmm. I never thought that that would be so important to me. And hmm. and it really is. Um and it's usually parents because you see There's a um, a thankfulness which is I'm I'm being able I'm having like hey I get it there are parents out here going oh my god this kid is on me all the time and I'm like enjoy it. Right. Enjoy it because one day they're going to turn 14 <laughs> and then you're done. And you don't right. exist anymore. You know, exactly. And so when you hear about somebody who, who watches a show with their child when they're seven or nine and it really gets to me when they say my 15-year-old and I watch this show together and then I just start, you know, I start welling up because, it's the, because, the, because that's a time when they're trying to find themselves and you want them to stay with
0: you and and, and, and you're learning something. So, there's right. a,
1: it's, so it really—that's the really. really makes well, me I
0: think happy. the secret to getting the tweens engaged is just blow up a lot of stuff and destroy yeah. Yeah. stuff. Exactly. So that's you're going to keep them engaged for a long time. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
1: It's like high octane science, <laughs> and the fact that you can watch it with any member of the family is re- right. is really, I think, fantastic. That, that, okay. that that's something that that if a family can share something together, that's going to make them giggle, and they're also learning something. Let's go for it. Let's, let's let's lean into it. You know. I
0: mean, that's a real gift for everyone right now. Absolutely. I think. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Can you imagine how many parents right now are enjoying this show as just an escape to to be able to teach their child, but also have a break from homeschooling?
1: It's a science credit.
0: I mean, you it get is. a
1: science credit for watching this show. I'm telling you, it's a that's science in, credit. Yeah, that is exactly. so
0: amazing. You didn't know you were a teacher. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> I had no idea. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: So finally, in speaking of our current times, which are very complicated and difficult, how have you been keeping your brain sharp in quarantine? Are you making sure to keep your, you know, learn something new? Um, we were talking to Jeff Goldblum about what he's doing to maintain his curiosity. Mm-hmm, he has two mm-hmm. young kids. He talked about not letting go of just small moments and making sure to to not take them for granted. Have you had a sense of, of that? And trying to re- maybe relearn things that you that you hadn't practiced in a while, or training your I, brain to do something else.
1: I'm trying
0: to actually,
1: <clears throat> my big thing is we my wife and I've been keeping busy, which has been very good. And, and we have, we have projects that are on uh, the horizon that we're working on and a couple of them in particular are, are making me take moments um, where I I'm trying to recollect things from the past hmm. for the project. And what's happening is I'm going, I'm going, it's interesting when I'm very present and still, is when I have the time to actually fire the thing in my mind that allows me to recollect. Hmm. So I'm, I'm spending a lot of time trying to do that. I'm also trying to, um, I'm, I'm trying um, uh, fervently to catch up on my meditation. Oh, on, on my meditative practice. And mm. uh, sometimes you let that go by the wayside because you feel it's very American to feel like I want to get I want to get something done, I want to get something done, I want to get something done. Sure. And not taking those times in your life to just kind of that so that and, that's and, been my big the big main thing I've been I've been working on. And
0: and what what kind of tips do you have? For that, because I find if I don't do something like that at the beginning of the day, it just won't happen. So do you have a set time of day where you say, OK, this is my my private time for this. It's at this time every day. Or do you allow yourself a fluidity to figure out when you can fit it in?
1: Because of because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, I find I, I have found that I, I can work with the fluidity.
0: Mm. So that's
1: been really helpful. Yeah, right. that's been really helpful. So I can do it. You know, I can do it at 530 p.m. I can do it at mm. uh, uh, even I can do it even at 9 p.m. and sometimes right. it's it's just it's just that 10 minutes you take before going to sleep or whatever right. the case may be. So that's I th- that's what I would say and then the other tips is the other the other tip would be since you're asking for a tip in particular mm-hmm. is sometimes just be conscious of your breathing. And it's interesting, mm-hmm. you'll often find I often find mm-hmm. I'm not breathing. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not breathing. And so right. that that would be my tip is just take a moment and go Am I breathing? Am I actually just inhaling and exhaling?
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a helpful thing to stay alive, mm-hmm. to know that you're breathing. <laughs> to stay upright. And,
1: and sometimes it's about, I do breathing exercises where I count the amount of time that I breathe in, and then I'll hold for a count, and then I'll exhale for a count. So you have to consciously put your mind on it.
0: Right. And then there you go. Well, so, and it's yeah. interesting. You know, a lot of people make time to exercise, and yet ten minutes of meditation for some people is just way more rigorous and too possible, too impossible to imagine <laughs> exactly. than running for an hour. Isn't that funny? It yeah, just feels so impossible.
1: Yeah, yeah. And 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 to those people, I would say it's it it is a matter of practice. It is called a practice, and it is right. a matter of practice. Right. So if you do it more, you'll find this wonderful equilibrium at some point in time. I go, you, the weird thing is that you're doing it and then you go, oh my gosh, I'm doing it, which means I'm not doing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. You can't enjoy it because then you take yourself out of it. <laughs> exactly. But, Whoever but invented you, this yeah. was very demented. Is there, so. <laughs> and finally, what can you tell us about the next season of Brain Games? Are you able to sort of Generate ideas, and then if and when we're able to go back into production, put those into practice. Tell me where you are with that process.
1: We are actually kind of in—we're uh, in a bit of stasis right now. So okay. there, there is some creative stuff taking place in regard to the show, mm-hmm. but right now um, um, I'm not privy to everything that's happening because we've been—we've been on a little bit of a standstill trying to figure out finagle where we're gonna tape it what will the show look like in the second season is also very important and um can there be an audience if there is how would how would we what are the logistics of that um Hmm. you know how do we take care of ourselves the guest stars all that's being taken into consideration so the uh, you know I think in our regular world what we're used to is half of that is already taken care of so you you can really lean into the creative so we're kind of we're at a bit of stasis right now but all that means is that things are gestating and things right. are cooking. And, and, right. and I think, so I think I look forward to what we all come up with ultimately for That's the great. second season. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Keegan. And thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, Stacey. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: There's more about Keegan-Michael Key, Brain Games, and all of National Geographic's 2020 Emmy contenders at natgeotv.com slash F-Y-C. This is Stacey Wilson-Hunt for The Making of a Nat Geo Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The Making of a Nat Geo Podcast is a National Geographic production, executive produced by Stephanie Montgomery and Chris Alpert, hosted by Stacey Wilson-Hunt, written and produced by Dave Beesing, Ted Woods, Jason Jackson, Kevin Horton, and Stacy Wilson-Hunt, production coordinator, Juliana Parisi, and in association with Benstown, McVeigh Media, and Sound That Brands.